Are you ready to organize your amazing ideas into a powerful book? It's time to write your book. Welcome to the Write Hour, nonfiction tips from the Write Coach. And I'm Joyce Glass, your host. I am so glad you joined me today. Hello, creatives. Welcome to episode 103 of the Write Hour. Today, we're talking about the top three ways you can organize your research. Now, it does not matter what kind of book you're writing. You're going to have to do some research. Some books may demand more research than others. But if you're a writer or a speaker, it's always good to keep a stockpile of illustrations and stories. If you hear a story which really resonates with you, make sure you save it somewhere. You may want to tag the stories as funny or serious or topic-based, such as marriage, parenting, educational, financial, whatever it may be that is relative to what you're working on. If you're creating a book where you need stats or case studies to prove your points, you need a place to save that information. Even if you're writing a story about your life or a spiritual devotional book, you need to research and save your info. When I was researching for my first devotional, I researched stories from the Bible to go along with the information I was sharing in the devotional. I had to have a place to keep all that information before I was ready to write. So where and how do you organize all this information? If you're like most of my clients, you probably have a notebook here and there, writing ideas down. You may have folders on your browser with some support information. You may have emails about research or about book cover design, whatever it may be that you're corresponding with someone. Or maybe you've interviewed people for your book, or there's slips of paper or legal pads here and there. What is the best way to bring all these this information into one place and distill it down into your amazing book? Well... My first recommendation is to use Evernote to store all of your research. Now, some of you just went, ever what? And some of you went, hmm, I think I have that app on my phone and tablet, but I've never used it. I hear that comment a lot. And some of you may be like me and know Evernote is what I like to call ever awesome. It can do so many things to help really simplify your life and your research. Now, before you think I'm receiving some kind of kickback from Evernote, let me assure you, I am not. I've just been an avid fan for seven years. You know, some people have their football teams that they're all crazy about. I'm crazy about Evernote. So, yes, I geek out on that a little bit. I'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to productivity apps. Easy for me to say, right? Well, obviously, I can't show you all the amazing features of Evernote on this podcast, but... In the show notes, I have a link to two of my blog posts about Evernote. One is the basics of how to use and set up Evernote. And then the other one is how to utilize Evernote for project management. Each of those blog posts, I have a video that shows you exactly how to use Evernote. So I want to give you just a little bit of an overview here of what Evernote can do for you. The first thing is it controls email clutter. When you sign up for a, a Evernote account, you receive an email address with your Evernote account as well. 
and you just copy and paste that email address into your contacts, like mine's under my name, because it starts off with my name too, and I just start typing my name in my email, and it'll pull up my Evernote email address, and I can just forward things to Evernote. And then I can tag them. Now that's the next thing. Tagging is a great use of Evernote because you can store so much of your information in there and save it in a way that's easy to find. Now I want you to think of tags as folders in a file cabinet. So Evernote's this big file cabinet and all your tags are all these folders that are in the file cabinet. And then Evernote also has something called notebooks. So think of that as the file drawer, you know. So this file drawer has these folders in it, which are your tags. And then inside the folders, you have your notes. So a note in Evernote can be tagged and can be put in a certain notebook. And I share on the video, I keep most of my things because I started off one way and using Evernote and organizing things by notebook. And then I learned a different way to organize things by tag. So there's, t you know, different couple different schools of thought on how to use Evernote. And you can look those up too. But I, my favorite is putting everything in a cabinet and then tagging it. Now, if you want to share information, it has to be in a particular notebook and you can share that notebook. And of course, you can still tag things that are in a different notebook for whatever it is that you want to tag them for. But to be able to share with someone else the same information, you can see it at the same time, you can work on it, then you will have to use a notebook. But if you just simply want to put everything in a notebook called cabinet, is what I call it, and then I tag everything, which is my folders, and then all my notes are in my folders. And if you watch the video, that'll make more sense if you just, if you're rolling your eyes going, I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> so hopefully it will become more clear. But the, the essentially is you can save your information in Evernote and give it multiple tags for an easy way to find it. So the next best feature of Evernote is something called Evernote Web Clipper. And if you just Google Evernote Web Clipper in whatever browser you're in, whether it's Chrome, Firefox, Safari, and God bless you if you use an Internet Explorer. <laughs> Hope you're not. <laughs> I hate Internet Explorer, just in case you didn't know. But anyways, so if you go to the browser and you put in Evernote Web Clipper, it will recognize what browser you're in and you can download the web clipper for your browser. So each web browser has their own extension, is I guess is what you would call it, for to Evernote web clipper. So there's Safari, Chrome, Firefox, and Internet Explorer, the main ones. What's important is you get Evernote web clipper, watch the video, and you will learn how to save all of your information from the internet onto Evernote, then you no longer need to have multiple folders in on your web browser. You just use the web clipper. And then it syncs with other apps. Evernote syncs with other apps. I have some a client um, management app that I use and I can take notes in Evernote, tag it my client's name, and it will sync with my app called Close. 
There's other apps like Trello is another app that will sync with Evernote. There's many apps, Notesby and just many apps that will sync with Evernote. So if you need that option, that's a great option to for it to sync. Um, uh, the other great thing about the Web Clipper 2 is you can use it on your phone browser or your tablet browser. It will save an entire web page directly into Evernote. Then I want you to be able to share notebooks with others for like project information. So I share a notebook with my VA and she can make notes and I can make notes and we share all kinds of great info in there like I mentioned earlier um, with the creating a file cabinet versus notebooks or file cabinet as a notebook. The next thing that you can do in Evernote that I love is take pictures of your written notes. I know some people still loved old school and they want to write down their notes and that's fine. Or maybe you're not where you can get somewhere that you want to put it on your phone or you don't like typing on your phone, whatever it may be. Then you can take pictures of your written notes and store them in a, either a PDF format or as an image in Evernote. And then you always have your information. So that way, if you want to work on your book when you're on a plane or at a coffee shop or out at the park, all you need is your tablet or laptop. And you just keep on working. You don't have to have all this crazy information with you. I've even taken pictures of like information from a book to put in there. Like if there was just a couple pages that I need, then I would take pictures of, the, of it and save it so that I had it in Evernote. Another great feature is audio. You can record audio directly in a note. So when you open up Evernote and you hit new note, you hit the little plus button on the phone or tablet or new note when you're on the computer, there's a little microphone, which is the audio feature and the camera is the photo feature that you can take photos or record audio directly in Evernote. You have don't have to take it with your camera. Now, your camera on your phone, if you do save it as a regular photo, then you can directly put that into Evernote directly from photos. So there's a lot of different ways you can go back and forth, but there's always a way to get to Evernote. That's what I love. So you will not lose your research information because it syncs across all the different devices. You'll always have a place to write down that amazing idea that may pop in your head or you can audio record it if you're not able to write it down. So you can learn all about these features on the top five ways to use Evernote in the blog post. And the link will be in my show notes. So that's the first thing that I recommend to help consolidate all of your wonderful information into one place is to put it in Evernote. And just so you know, I put all of my show notes in Evernote, and that's actually what I'm referring to right now as I'm doing the podcast. So I do use Evernote every single day, almost all day long. So the second thing is Dropbox is a must or some kind of cloud service to save your manuscript in. This it can be Google Docs, Office 365. There's another cloud service called Box or iCloud for on your if you're using pages. So what I recommend is you save all your information into a cloud service because here's the thing. Some people don't think about this and I've known a couple of writers 
who have lost their laptop or it was stolen or it died on them while they were working on a manuscript. And one is very famous who I think she was almost done with her manuscript and she her computer died on her. And somebody had to recreate it for her that if she'd simply saved it in Dropbox, it would have been no big deal. Because all you do is get a new computer, sign into Dropbox, download it on the computer, and you're ready to go and keep going. You know, if it's lost or stolen, computer failure or virus, or God forbid you have a home fire. You know, some people say, well, I have an external hard drive and that's where I back it up. Well, that's not your best option. That's better than none. But what if someone steals your laptop from your home and they steal your external hard drive as well? Then you still don't have a manuscript. Or again, the house fire. You know, if you have a house fire, then both are gone. So if you have it in Dropbox, it's stored in a secure location off-site so that you do not lose it. So the benefits of Dropbox is you always have a copy of your work no matter what has happened to your computer. If it's lost, stolen, the computer dies, whatever. If you accidentally delete a file in Dropbox, you have 30 days to restore it. You just go out to dropbox.com and you're able to go and um, go to find, it's, I think it's show deleted files and it'll show you the files that have been deleted and you can restore it. Then the video and audio files, some of them are too big for Evernote. So say you interview someone and it's an audio or a um, video interview. Some of those can be too big for Evernote. There is a file size limit in Evernote, like per file, not how many files. Um, and if you do that, then you can save it into Dropbox again and be able to sync it and keep it safe. If your computer's stolen, like I said, you can log back into Dropbox, pull all the files off of that computer. You go to dropbox.com and you go into your settings, and I think it's under security or something like that, and you can revoke the access of that computer if it's stolen. You can pull all those folders off of that computer so whenever that person goes online, all of those files will be deleted off that laptop and they will no longer have access to your Dropbox account. So Dropbox is not as complicated as some people would like to make it to be. It really doesn't. Um, they think it's some, this mysterious, magical thing sometimes and it's really not. It's simply a folder on your computer. Think about that. It. It's just a folder on your computer and you can put as many folders in Dropbox that you want there now there is a two gigabyte limit for size for the free version but if you get the paid version then you can put as many folders and videos and pictures and everything in there that you want so that is another great thing about Dropbox you save your word pages or Scrivener files to Dropbox and it syncs across all devices, keeps your work safe so you can open up your work anywhere. Um, the next thing is you can download Dropbox to your computer, you sign up for your account, and you save Dropbox to your favorites for easy access or you know where you keep all your file folders show up in your computer because on a PC it looks a little different than on a Mac but the same thing applies. You can take that Dropbox folder and slide it over to your favorites. That way you have easy access for it. So I recommend that you do that so it's easy to find and you're not always wondering 
well, I don't understand where Dropbox is. And then when you create any document, you simply choose Dropbox as the folder to put it into instead of the computer folder that's in your computer. So you just, which Dropbox is on your computer, but I'm talking about the regular documents folder that you can find on the computer. So I'll make a quick short video for sh to show you how to use Dropbox and I'll have the link to that in the show notes as well. So the first thing is Evernote to store your research. Dropbox is great for storing your manuscript and any bigger files that can't put in Evernote. And then the last one is Scrivener. Now I like to call Scrivener the Maserati of writing products, but I don't want you to be intimidated. There is a small learning curve, but take baby steps and you can learn it. I probably don't even use all of the amazing features to the max, so don't even worry about it. But basically, it's a word program on steroids and a text page or a text document is simply just that. It's a text document and I'm going to go through and tell you a little bit about it. But again, I do have a video about how to use Scrivener and I will link that post in the show notes as well. But what you can do in Scrivener is first you create your Scrivener file. This and you can create different kinds. There's novel format, there's nonfiction format, there's research paper format, you know, the um, MLA and um, the other kinds of formats that you can find for research papers are in there. So you can create whatever kind of file you want. Typically, for most of my listeners, it's going to be a nonfiction book that you'll be writing, so you'll want a nonfiction file. And then you can create chapters, which they call folders in there. And it's simply your a folder. You put in the text notes underneath and that creates your chapter. Now for a regular chapter book, you only need one text page, which is like a separate, think of it as like a separate word document for each chapter is what you're creating. And you only need one of those unless you're doing something like I did for my devotions. I did a different text page for each day of the week. So I had day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. I did five days worth of content and an intro. So I had six pages of content for each chapter and then a page for discussion questions at the end. Now, when someone, of course, reads the book, some of those pages may flow into each other, but it, to work on it, it's easier to see each of those as a separate page. Now, if you're just doing a typical nonfiction book, then you just need one text page per chapter. And this may make a lot more sense when you're looking at Scrivener and watch the video. But there's chapter folders and then text pages. And then the next feature, and this is my absolute favorite feature of Scrivener, is the corkboard feature. It looks like a corkboard and it has, it looks like three by five index cards. Essentially, it's a way that you can put notes or your outline on your work. And I explained some more about the corkboard in there, but it, I love the corkboard feature. The other thing that I love about the corkboard feature is that you can label your progress and they have something what they call stamps. And it can say to do, first draft, second draft, final draft, uh, whatever on there or research. And so you can label each of your folders of your chapter 
or your notes, the text pages as to do as it's, you know, you need to do it yet, or it's in the first draft, second draft, whatever. And then that way in a glance, you can see where you are at with your entire project. You can create word uh, goals, like word count goals for each time that you write and Scrivener will keep up with that and show you how you do each time. And then you can have like a total word goal. So you know you want your book to be 50,000 words. You can tell it, I want my book to be 50,000 words. And then you can tell it what pages to look at. That's under the compile, which I'm not going to get too deep in that. But anyways, it will tell you how many words you've written so far total in your book. So you can keep up with that as well. Then it converts your document, your manuscript, into an iBooks or Kindle digital format. So then you do not have to hire someone to do that if you don't want to. Or you may need to if you have some special things that you want to do, if you want to add images or any kind of breaks in your book, like when I say breaks, like any kind of flowery images that kind of at each chapter. It just depends. But you can create this document into a digital format on your own. The other thing I loved about it, I would put mine in iBooks and then I would read what I've written in iBooks on my iPad so it would be, feel, make it feel like someone who was reading my book and I would look at it differently. So instead of printing my manuscript out in paper all the time, I read it on iBooks and would make notes then in Scrivener of, of different things I needed to do to edit it or update it. So then of course you want to make sure that this Scrivener file is being backed up to Dropbox or some kind of cloud service so that you do not lose this manuscript. And it's very easily done. You just tell the, when you first time you save the Scrivener file, you just say save as and go to the Dropbox folder and you can tell it to back it up or to save it in Dropbox and then that way you know your document is always safe. And every time you close out of a Scrivener, it will automatically back up. So you're good to go. The link to the video will be in the show notes about Scrivener. So here's the great thing. If you're not sure how to do something in any of these programs, simply Google your question and most likely you will find a video or blog post sharing how to do what you're looking for. I know there are many Evernote videos on YouTube, as well as how to use Scrivener. And then Scrivener has their own video library online, how to use it as well. And I will put that in the show notes as well. And so all of these programs are available Mac and PC, as well as mobile devices. I know Scrivener's on the iPad. I don't think it's on Android devices yet. So you can, if you don't have a laptop, or you don't want to take your laptop, you get your iPad, you can use your iPad for Scrivener as well. And here's a great thing. Scrivener is very reasonably priced. It's like 40 or $45 for the program that really, they can charge probably about $300 for this program. It does so much. They can maybe charge more than that if they really wanted to, but they don't. I love that they keep it at a very reasonable price and you can use it and you can try it out for free for like, I think it's 30 days, but that is not 30 consecutive days. That's 30 days. Like you may use it for two days and not use it for 10. So you've only counted as two days. You still have 28 days left to use it. So 
Hopefully that helps. Well, I appreciate you being here today for episode 103, learning how to organize your research. And next week, we're going to talk about how to start your book. That is the next question that I get often from my clients is, how do I start my book, Joyce? I'm just a little confused here. I've got all this information now. I've got my research done. I've created an outline, but I'm not really sure what to do next. That's what we're going to talk about next week is how to start your book. So thank you for being here and have a wonderful week. I will see you next time on The Right Hour. Thank you for joining me today on The Right Hour, nonfiction tips from The Right Coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and listen on your favorite app each week. Leave a review and let others know how they can learn about the craft and business of writing. It's time to write your book.